This is episode number 106 with Bill Harris. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. everyone. Welcome back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about today's guest. His name is Mr. Bill Harris, and he is the president and director of Centerpoint Research Institute. And today, nearly 2 million people in 193 countries have used Centerpoint programs to improve their lives, and he has become one of the best-known personal growth teachers in the world. He's got a very specific uh, training that is all about meditation and awareness. And I'm excited to dive into this topic today because I do a lot of meditative practices in uh, my daily life and my daily rituals. And whenever I'm applying meditation in my life, I always find I get better results. I always feel better grounded and uh, I'm more connected to my vision. So I'm very excited to learn more about the research behind this, how he does it a little differently with his programs and how you guys can take access to all the things that he's been teaching over the years as well. So I'm very excited about this. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in today's episode with the one and only Bill Harris. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Super excited about this one. I've got Mr. Bill Harris on. How's it going, Bill? I'm great. I really appreciate your invitation to talk to your your folks. Yeah, I'm excited. We connected briefly at uh, Dave Asprey's event, um, and that's when I really started to get to get to learn about you more. I started checking out your website and researching some of your materials, and you've created a you know an impressive resume of uh, of success for you know yourself and your business, and you've done a lot of programs and trainings. Uh, one of the cool thing that we have in common is you studied at Berkeley College of Music, and my brother was actually a professor of jazz there a number of years ago as well. So we kind of have, um, you know, some points of connection there. And I know you're a, you know, a musician still, and you have CDs, and you're still putting it out there, which is I think is incredible. He's um, a guitarist, your brother, isn't he? He is a jazz violinist. A violinist, okay. Yeah, yeah, jazz violin. Yeah, um, I, they have two two albums that are out now that are still getting radio airplay. Wow. Uh, the first, the, the, I think these came out in maybe 2012 and 13 or something like that. I forget now the exact year, but the first one launched at number three nationally in radio airplay, and the second one launched at number four uh, in radio airplay, and I still get emails from radio stations 
with their playlist telling me that they're playing certain cuts from these these albums. Wow. Very I wish cool. I had more time to to pursue uh, promoting that part of my life, but that's right. <laughs> it's more of a passion hobby, right? On the side. I play a lot. I probably practice about 30 hours a week. Wow. That's cool. I, and I play a lot, but I, but I haven't, uh, had time to, I've had, I've had enough time to get the, the album so that they're being played a lot in radio stations, but I haven't monetized it so that I'm selling a lot of the albums gotcha <laughs> gotcha you've done it you've done a good job monetizing your 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 other business though and uh you know that's what i wanted to ask you about today which is uh, i heard about this holosync solution which is kind of like one of the main courses uh, that you provide which is a sound technology isn't that correct uh yes now what is that exactly and why'd you get into to creating this well, I'll just kind of give you the backstory. I, you know, I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional, broken home. I was uh, grew up pretty angry, difficult to get along with, uh, rough around the edges, depressed a lot. And uh, when I was about nineteen, somebody suggested that I should meditate, and that might help. So I started meditating, traditional meditation, and uh, I did that for sixteen years and got very deeply into that and was very disciplined about it and got a certain amount of benefit from it. But quite frankly, 16 years later, when I was in my mid-30s, I was still pretty angry, pretty rough around the edges, pretty difficult to get along with, drove a lot of people away in my life, not a real happy camper. And about that time, I ran into, I, I took all kinds of uh, sciences in in college, pre, you know, all the pre-med sciences. So I had a very scientific bent and was paying attention to a lot of scientific research that was going on in different areas. And one of them was meditation because I was interested in that. So I, I, there were two bits of research that caught my attention that turned out to really change my life and actually the lives of a lot of other people. Uh, one of them was that in the 1970s, the world famous Menninger Clinic, and then also the transcendental meditation people to a certain degree too, figured out what the electrical patterns in the brain were that people were making when they were meditating. So that was known by the mid-70s, at least. Then I stumbled on this article by this researcher at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, a guy named Dr. Gerald Oster, which was describing a characteristic of the brain that when you presented certain pure sine wave tones of certain combinations of frequencies using headphones so that you could target the you know each side of the brain independently it would change brainwave pan it was it mm. was the long short of it was a, it was a, a a way that you could change the electrical patterns in the brain and this guy gave no use for this it was a very abstruse kind of article for people that were i don't even know what field people would be interested in that sort of thing. He didn't say you could use this for X, Y, or Z. But I looked at this and I said, hmm, these are the brainwave patterns of meditation. And this is a way to change brainwave patterns. Could I change them to those of meditation? And what would that be like? And would it give the same benefits? You know, and there's, by the way, there are also brainwave patterns of accelerated learning and mm -hmm. activity and a bunch of other things like that. And there are, there are even brainwave patterns of anxiety or depression mm. or 
activation. There's, you know, there's a brainwave signature to many, many mental abilities and uh, human emotions and so on. But I was interested in, in meditation. Mm. So anyway, I, I was a graduate student in, uh, in music at the University of Portland. I went into their engineering lab, talked the head of the department into lending me a bunch of equipment that I didn't really know anything about using, <laughs> and bought a couple of other little things. And in my basement, I started making these cassette tapes, because it was before CDs, right. that had this um, technology on it. And with a couple of friends, we started listening to it. And the first time we listened to it, I'll never forget, we, you know, at the end of a half hour, we opened our eyes and sort of looked at each other. And we were kind of in this tranced out state, kind of high on our own neurochemicals. And one of the other guys said, are you feeling what I'm feeling? And, uh, <clears throat> and I said, yeah, wow, this is pretty amazing. Uh, and, I mean, it really worked. It really uh, changed, it, you know, we we're sort of blown away that you could just listen to something for 30 minutes and have your state change so dramatically. And we were experienced meditators, so we knew what we were feeling. And it was really beyond what we could do doing traditional meditation. But what really blew us away was that then over time, as we continued to do this, and more and more people started doing it after by the end of about four years, just through word of mouth, we had about 150 people uh, experimenting with this, mostly in the US, but there were probably 20, 30 people in Europe too. And over that time, I'll just give you my experience, all this anger I'd always had just sort of dissolved. I stopped being depressed. My mind started to become so, I just had this infusion of mental clarity and ability to focus and concentrate. I became more creative. My music became better. Mm. Um, I be became, people would come up to me and say, what are you doing? You seem so mellow. When before <laughs> say, you are so intense. And wow. So just everything changed for me, and uh, after at about the four-year marks, a bunch of these people that were using it, you know, before I'd ever started selling it, they, they said you should create a structured way mm. to use this and uh, create a company and and sell it. And I had very little ambition in terms of making money. I wasn't even thinking about a business. At the time, I was making about 30000 a year, and I thought, if I could just make another 30000 <laughs> I would double my income. That would be amazing. And uh, so I didn't know much about running a business or anything, and I think the first year, we had a whopping $12,000 in sales, and the second year was about 48000 and then it went up to about 250000 and then it went up to 750000 and then the year after that, it went over a million, and then it just started going up and up and up from there. And Part of it was that I studied marketing with some of the top direct response marketers. Mm -hmm. and I began to learn more about running a business and, and all of this, and it eventually got bigger and bigger and bigger, and you know, all kinds of things, things happened. Really quickly, why do you think, why is this using the sound technology included in meditation more effective than just no sound and meditating without it? That is a very good question. And, you know, I have lots of people that are traditional meditators that are initially skeptical about this, and actually I was too. But I'm interested in results. 
Right. Who is it? <laughs> I started to see the results. I was very convinced. And some of the results we got, by the way, were, you, you know, you read these books about meditation, and I will get back to your question. We, we, you read these books about meditation, and they describe all this stuff that's supposed to be happening. And then you go to meditate, and instead of that, you're sitting there going, how long has it been? <laughs> right. You're thinking about everything else besides meditating. My leg hurts. What's that sound out there? Oh God, I got to get eggs and milk at the store, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're hardly meditating. You're just thinking about a lot of stuff and you're getting, you're getting more frustrated. But when we, you know, and we were kind of behind beyond that point because we'd all been meditating a long time, but there's all kinds of sort of, you might call them mystical sort of things that happen to people when they're meditating. And we started using this sort of proto holosync and lots of those things suddenly started to happen. Uh, things that nobody would know about even if they if they hadn't read all this literature about meditation. So that was pretty convincing too. But here's the deal. With, with traditional meditation, there's a long learning curve. Uh, it, it's hard to do at first. You, you are, you know, focusing on something in most meditation uh, techniques. And uh, it's hard to stay focused on that. It takes a lot of time to get good at it. And during that time, you're not really spending much time in that meditative state. You're not, you're not really getting many of the benefits. And it can be frustrating, et cetera, et cetera. So most people, even that they've learned a lot about meditation and they're convinced that, oh, wow, the benefits of this are enormous. The scientific research on meditation over the last 10, 15 years is amazing what they have found, all the things we can talk about that in a few minutes. But so anybody that looks at that goes, geez, I should be doing this. Mm. But then when you start to do it, it's very difficult. And most people just quit before they get any of the benefits. So when you use this type of meditation where you are creating the essentially what you're doing is creating the brainwave patterns of someone who's been meditating for 30 years. So right out of the gate, you are in this very deep meditative state. And every time you put those headphones on and push the play button, you're going there. So yeah. it's very consistent. You, you bypass the learning curve mm. and you start to get reinforcement right away. Yep. It's very effortless. You don't have to do any, you, a lot of people who do this do like repeat a mantra or watch their breath or do those sorts of things, uh, partly because some of them have been doing that for a few years if they're already meditating. And I do that while I'm using it, but it's more from habit than anything else. Right. So that's, that's it in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. And the cool, the cool thing about just to speak into that, you know, I've been, I've never really been able to do, I guess, traditional meditation without some type of guidance, without some type of, uh, you know, audio follow along or follow through, because whenever I try it, I, my brain is really hard for me to just shut down and be silent. And, you know, it just has too many thoughts. But whenever, when I was 18, or I think I might have been 19, I started listening to an, uh, a guided visualization, meditative, uh, like audio track that my sister Heidi gave me. And I realized that I didn't have to think about what to being empty minded or not think or let it wander or whatever. I just got to follow along and allow my brain to relax and let my body relax and follow along with uh, the music, be relaxed in the music and follow along with the, the guided visualization and meditation. And for me, I felt like that was 
effective to get me the results that I was looking for. And it helps me relax. The kind of stuff where you're really focusing on some, like focusing on your breath or yep. repeating a mantra is really more effective than a guided meditation sort of thing. But it is, it, it does take a certain amount of practice. There, there are some misconceptions about that though. For instance, anybody, when they start meditating, will have lots of thoughts coming to the surface right. because uh, that's part of the process. Uh, and a lot of people think, well, that's not supposed to happen. Mm. So uh, I must be doing it wrong. And then they kind of give up. Uh, I remember Maharishi, the TM guy, he used to say that uh, these thoughts coming up at the surface are really stresses in your nervous system that are sort of bubbling up to the surface and being released. Now, there's a there's a, a more scientific version of what, what he was saying, but it, it's true. People have there's there's a lot of um, sympathetic nervous system activity, which is the source of fight or flight and, and uh, uh, hyper awareness and things like that, uh, that kind of have to be calmed. Uh, what traditional meditation and Holosync in spades does is it it accentuates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the source of what uh, Herbert Benson at Harvard called the relaxation response. Mm. It's what gets uh, enhanced when people are, you know, really accomplished at, at meditation. It's what calms the stress response, lowers cortisol levels in your blood, and uh, all all that sort of thing. So that's one thing that happens. Your parasympathetic nervous system is enhanced, but also all kinds of beneficial neurochemicals. You make more of them. Things like like uh, cortisol, which is the stress hormone, uh, very bad for your health if you have too much of it. It's useful in certain amounts, uh, but that that goes down. Also, way more uh, brain real estate is turned over to executive function or awareness uh, in the prefrontal cortex, and and then also there's all these connections between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain, so people develop what some people call whole brain functioning or whole brain thinking where sort of like thinking in stereo where you're using more of the whole brain to process whatever's going on and then there's also more connections between the more primitive part of the brain the amygdala where people have you know reactive emotional stuff happening and the prefrontal cortex so that if something scares the crap out of you instead of being really reactive, your prefrontal cortex has that connection and it can say, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of here. I mean, if there is something to be afraid of, then run like hell, I guess. But right, uh, right. but in many cases, you know, somebody says something to you and you lose your temper, um, something I used to know quite a bit about. <laughs> and and uh, you see, when you have more of this executive control, more of this prefrontal cortex activity connected to that part of the brain, then you are able to exercise, you know, that's why, you know, you meet some guy that's been a Zen monk for 30 years. He has this calmness and this equanimity, and he's not triggered by stuff that happens mm. in the same way. The, the, the great thing about Holosync, you know, we have had over 2 million people use this in 193 countries over the last, really, 29 years, if you if you add the four years of, of, uh, of kind of researching it before I started the company. And our best 
estimate of how well this works is that it gives the same benefits as traditional meditation, but about eight times faster. Wow. So that if you are you do this for two years, it's kind of like meditating in a traditional way for 16 years. Wow. So interesting. People begin people that don't know anything about meditation, they don't know anything about all the literature about meditation or Eastern philosophy or any of that stuff, they start saying and describing the same experiences to us without ever having heard of them anywhere else that people report when Interesting. they're meditating for several days and same kind of responses to their the stimuli in their in their life. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host start clean with clorox because clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget <laughs> well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food surface Interesting. I like that. And we're, we're, you're going to send us over a, a demo that people can listen to. So it'll be linked up with the show notes on uh, you know, a little sample of this. So make sure to check that out. I'll let you guys know what that link is later for the show notes. Absolutely. People can go on our website and they can listen to uh, a, a, a soundtrack that's about 20 minutes long, I think, uh, and experience for yourself what, you know, it would be like uh, if somebody's told you all this great stuff that would happen if you exercised regularly and then you exercised once, you know, right. you obviously can't tell everything that's going right, to happen. Right, but it'd be a great teaser. I mean, you can do it more than one. You can do this demo, of course, more than once too. Sure. But But, uh, but it, it's pretty amazing how just listening to something, same thing we had at this initial experience. Sure. Of, it's pretty amazing how this changes how you feel so much. I have a lot of people that just listen to that demo and then they write me and say, my God, for the rest of that day, I just felt fantastic. Wow. Interesting. I love this. Uh, I definitely recommend everyone checking it out and seeing what they, how they feel and what they experience as well. And I want to speak into, you talked about awareness for a second and I want to speak into awareness because I, 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 my guess is that's really kind of the point of meditation is to develop better awareness of ourselves in our environment and in our situations and our life and the world. And why is awareness so powerful for our life and for being successful? Well, I'll tell you, um, I started thinking about awareness, first of all, because I was trying to figure out over like more than 25 years now, what exactly is happening when people are listening to Holosync? Because I mean, one of the reasons why this has been such a hugely successful business is because the product 
is so amazing. The product works so well. I mean, I have good marketing too, but when you have a product that works well and you know how to market, that's a really a winning combination. And I, I could send you tens of thousands, literally, of letters from people saying, God, this saved my life. This totally changed everything for me. And this saved my son's life, on and on and on and on. It's a really uh, pretty amazing. So at any rate, I, I was thinking, what, what is happening? And I went through several iterations over the years of how I kind of described uh, what was happening. When I say awareness, I don't mean something sort of fluffy. There's a very, there's a very precise scientific definition of this. And it does have something to do with some of the stuff I was saying earlier about the prefrontal cortex and the left and right hemispheres being uh, uh, connected, more connected uh, to each other and so on. If I had to say something about awareness in, well, I'll, two statements about awareness. First of all, I often say awareness provides the solution to every human problem that has a solution. Hmm. Some human problems don't have a solution. For instance, everything in the universe is impermanent and eventually falls apart or passes away or ends or whatever. And you're not going to do anything about that. And there's plenty of human problems that are related to that. But you can't do anything. You also can't do anything about the fact that you can't regulate what everybody else does. People have their own agenda. And a lot of times other people's agenda is completely at cross purposes with yours. Mm. Now, you can have a little bit of influence over other people, but almost everybody that's older than five years old knows that Trying to get other people to comply with what you want is kind of a losing battle. You you have to. You know, there's a lot of give and take in there. But anyway, there's some things that uh, that that there are some human problems that don't have a solution. But every human problem that has a solution, uh, awareness ends up being sort of the fundamental behind all those solutions. The other thing I often say about awareness is, awareness creates choice. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. Most of what human most of what human beings do in terms of how they feel, how they behave, which people in which situations they attract or become attracted to, or what meanings they assign to what's happening around them, most of that, the creation of those four things, happens on autopilot. There are certain internal cognitive processes that people are doing all the time. Uh, and those internal processes create how you feel, how you behave, which people and situations you attract or become attracted to, and what meanings you assign to whatever's happening out there. That's great as long as those internal processes were programmed by your early life experiences to mm. work really well. But for most people, that isn't the case. Most of us, and probably really all of us, are to some extent traumatized by things that happen in our life. We don't get what we want. We get disapproved of. Uh, we make mistakes. We fail at things. We, you know, somebody doesn't like us. Uh, mm -hmm. and in some cases, with some people, that trauma is really very grim, you know, where people are really severely abused and things like that. But to that degree, those internal processes often become about being vigilant for danger, which causes people to focus on what they want to avoid in, instead of focusing on where they what what they want to create or where they want to go and as as you and probably all your listeners know whatever you focus on repeatedly tends to determine what happens in your life mm. 
great degree. So when people outside their awareness on autopilot focus on what they don't want, uh, they, they get can, more of what they don't want. Yeah, they get more of, and you get an extra bonus when you focus on what you don't want. You create bad feelings. Mm. Every time you're feeling a bad feeling, you can be sure that you are doing something in your head, focusing on something that you don't want, you're worried about, you want to avoid, uh, that sort of a thing. So let me break it down and, and give a, give me an example. Let's say, let's say uh, someone has a headache and they don't want the headache, but all they can think about is this nagging pain in their head and it won't go away. Uh, and what, what's something they can do, you know, something simple like that to give an ex example of, of to focus on or to be aware about or to make a decision on? Well, I mean, the, he the headache may be caused by by uh, something the person is doing, but it, it's very likely it's caused by some sort of organic thing that, mm -hmm. uh, that they don't have that much control over. Let's just say that that's the case. You know, in Buddhism, they would call this, uh, they call these darts. They would say the first dart is you have a, you have a headache, and uh, that might be part of the suffering in life that you can't do that much about. I mean, there are things you can do about a headache, but, you know, sometimes you get headaches. Uh, the second dart, though, would be that you resist the fact, i.e., focus on what you don't want, and you're going, oh, I hate this, I've got to make this stop, and you're adding another layer of suffering. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's the very best example of that sort of thing, but, Interesting. you know, let's say that you're in a, in a situation uh, where somebody's really annoying to you, and... Uh, you know, there's there's something going on that you don't like. If you add to that your resistance to it, you make it worse. And in fact, when you resist something, it seems like it's the thing you're resisting that is causing your suffering. But and sometimes, like with a headache, there is some you know actual physical pain involved, or you know your your car gets totaled. So that there's a there's an actual thing happening there, but. If you add to it the resistance to it, it makes it seem like the car accident caused the feeling you're having when it's really your resistance to that happening. The resistance like, to the experience. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're, you're feeling, you're just being resistant that you had to go through that experience, you're upset, you're frustrated with it, is that what you mean? Yeah, and I'm not saying that that isn't a normal human response. Right, right, right. Anybody could imagine that, to, you know, the Dalai Lama could have a car accident and some real reactive unconscious person could have an accident and their response to that accident would be completely different. Right. I mean, you know, that's how the Dalai Lama could have all these people in Tibet murdered by the Chinese and had to leave his country and they burned down all their buildings and blah, and still the guy is happy and I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that he felt a, a lot of compassion and suffered himself over a lot of the things that happened. But, you know, it's, it's not so much what happens to you as how you, how you respond to it. Mm. So at, at any rate, when you're aware, you see the internal processes you're running that are creating your feelings, your behaviors, uh, your attraction to certain people in situations, which in some cases may be, people in situations you don't, you know, you don't want to end up in, or, or the cues you give off that attract certain people to mm -hmm. you. And then also you see how you're creating and adding meaning to something that happens, which is a really right. 
too, because if, if you walk into a room and you go up to somebody and uh, you want to meet them and you start talking to them and they spurn you in some way, you might say, uh, I'm not very likable, nobody likes me, and you go into this really sad, depressed sort of state, but it could be something really horrible just happened to that person and has nothing to do with you at all. You know, there's different interpretations, different meanings you could add, and certainly when people are trying to be successful and then they have a few setbacks, they think, well, okay, I wasn't meant to do this, I've never succeeded this, Whereas somebody else says, hey, setbacks are part of uh, achievement. I just had two, two of them. How, what can I learn from it? And a completely different way of attaching meaning to something. And the second person goes on to become more and more uh, wise and successful when the other person feels like quitting. Mm -hmm. So at any rate, the idea is that when, you're a, when you have a lot of awareness, which is created by traditional meditation and even more quickly by holosync meditation, you begin to see the ways that you have been creating feelings you don't want, behaviors you don't want, or, or sometimes it's failing to behave when you've decided you want to act, but then you don't, like when you learn a whole bunch of success principles, and then you go home and you're all excited, but you don't do anything, right. with, which a lot of people, happens with many people. Or you decide you're going to exercise, but then you don't exercise, or you're mm. going to decide you're going to meditate, but you, don't, you decide you're going to eat right. All these sorts of things. Having, you know, I said earlier, awareness creates choice. So to the degree that you are aware of the internal processes that lead you to eat something you know isn't healthy or eat more than you want to eat or whatever, that becomes a choice. And once you have a choice, you just can't keep doing what doesn't serve you. Mm. So uh, that's why awareness creating choice is so powerful. So at any rate, this is what happens to anybody that's a long-term meditator is that they begin more and more to see how they're doing the things that are creating that second dart, that, that are mm -hmm. causing them to heap more suffering on events that they may not have that much choice about. Um, although if you have enough awareness, sometimes you end up being able to avoid people and events that, that are best avoided, too. But at any rate, some things are going to happen in life that, uh, that are unavoidable. Sure. But that doesn't mean you have, to, you have to create bad feelings around them or bad behaviors, or et cetera, et cetera. So that's, what, that's really why when people meditate for a long time, they are very calm they handle problems in a different way. Uh, it also creates, by the way, you know, a tremendous amount of mental clarity, pattern recognition, creativity, learning ability, things like that too, which I could relate to awareness too. But uh, but uh, we you know we don't have that sure, much. Sure, sure. Yeah, one of the things that I've realized is is I've done a lot of work on myself in the last couple of years, specifically on letting go of some of my own let's say, you know, demons, I guess. Uh, and my demons were defensiveness, anger, and resentment. Those were the three, I guess, things that were kind of, in one sense, driving me to be successful, but also making me feel extremely lonely, extremely unfulfilled, and hurting myself and, and other people around me at times. It wasn't like all the time, but this like trigger, whenever I'd be triggered, I would go into those three, one of those three states of resentment, anger, um, and it was really frustrating. 
to be that way most of my life. And when I started doing the work and diving in and being aware of why I was reacting those ways, what were the initial triggers that set me up to be that way, um, why I hadn't shifted out of them, once I started to be aware, I've noticed such a shift and change in my physical health, in my energy, in my emotions, in my feelings, because I am aware in situations that used to trigger me now and then I don't react the same way. I take a moment, I'm patient, you know, I'm, uh, you know, relaxed. I calmly speak as opposed to raise my voice like I used to. I don't, you know, react in a negative way. And I feel like the awareness has been such a powerful thing for me to be able to respond differently in situations, like you said, uh, right. where the Dalai Lama, you know, can react differently than someone who's not as aware. Now, why, if that is, for me, been one of the most powerful experiences over the last couple of years to understand that towards my success and relationships and business and everything, why is it that we don't learn this growing up necessarily in school or there aren't after school programs or, you know, our parents don't know this. How come if this is one of the keys to being successful as a human being and being a loving, supportive, connected human being, how come we don't really learn this until it gets too late or we go through so much pain that we discover it somehow? Well, the obvious answer is that the people that are running those institutions uh, haven't done handled this themselves. They don't even. The thing is that, you know, in the last since meditation became more popular, and personal growth stuff became more popular, you know, it's a relatively new field. Um, you know, more people are aware of this sort of thing, but this is. This is not something that uh, it's becoming more and more mainstream, but this is a fairly new thing. And certainly, I mean, I could also say that the schools, for instance, this is not their main agenda. You know, those of us who are interested in this sort of thing, the people that are listening to your podcast and the people that are using Holosync and, and the people that are following Dave Asprey and the bulletproof, you know, biohacking thing and all that sort of stuff, you know, the, that's a very tiny percentage of the people out there. Most people in the world are just trying to, you know, keep body and soul together. And even most people in the United States, as wealthy as the United States is, are not thinking about this stuff. Most people you talk to about this stuff, they don't really find it all that interesting. So that's that's one reason. Uh, one of the things I want to say about about your story was there is actually, um, Lewis, a deeper level of what you're talking about because um, finding out what triggers you is very important and finding out you know discovering why you do something gives you some distance from it but seeing how you do it and observing the internal processes for instance if you get triggered by something uh, you are making uh, certain it what are called internal representations inside your head internal pictures there mm -hmm. there's there they kind of mirror external sensory experiences and then there's one other one so you can have internal pictures internal sounds internal uh smells and tastes internal kinesthetic touch but touch includes heat cold pressure uh balance uh in addition to to the sense of touch and then the the, the last one is called auditory digital by cognitive psychologists, but it's really, it's just internal dialogue. It's you talking to yourself. Mm. And so if something triggers you, 
and you start saying certain things in your head and you start making certain pictures in your head, if they are of what you don't want, which they probably would be in that kind of those situations you mentioned, then a, a bad feeling is created right away. You begin resisting the bad feeling, which means make more negative internal representations. Right. And uh, depending on the, the quality of those things, you start to feel resentful or angry or whatever, uh, you know, of those feelings that you, you mentioned. So what happens is that as you be become aware enough to see those pictures going by and see those thoughts and see the connection to that they make, how they actually generate the feelings, the behaviors, you know, the, the meanings you're putting on things, that sort of stuff, they become a choice. Mm. You stop creating those things. So, uh, I mean, you may have done these, what I'm talking about already. I'm not trying to patronize you or anything, sure. but, but um, seeing the trigger is part of it because part of the process is there's a trigger and then there's these series of internal representations inside your head and sure. there's a feeling or a decision or something. And by the way, other internal processes that, that are part of this kind of group would include your beliefs. Beliefs are just collections of internal representations about something you think is true. Then there are values, which is what you think is important. That's just a collections of internal representations about what you, what you think is important. Uh, then there's another category called strategies, which are uh, sequences of internal representations that lead to a feeling, a behavior, or a decision. And then there's a whole set of filters because uh, we there are so many bits of information coming in in every moment that it's more than people can take in. So people delete almost all of it. Hmm. If you uh, if you walk into a room, you don't notice tons of things in that room, sights, sound, touch and sensations, people, noises, whatever. And you focus on certain things depending on how your internal filters are set up. And, and, and what you notice has a lot to do with how you focus your mind mm. and in different, and it changes in different situations. So any, anyway, I'm, I'm just sort of giving you a little sure, sure. of these internal processes. Uh, I have a, a course that takes about 70 hours to go through where I take people through this and show them how to observe these things, which makes them into a choice. Uh, so my elevator speech kind of is, I have this amazing tool that creates tremendous awareness, which is Holosync. And then I show people where to direct that awareness so as to give them the maximum amount of choice about how they feel, how they behave, which people and situations they attract or become attracted to, and what meanings they assign to what happens. And uh, when people go through all this, they become, you know, this young woman that works for me uh, likes to say people develop superpowers when they do. Uh, yeah. But it seems that way. Sure. Yeah. What, um, what's like, uh, I, I want to, I've got a couple of questions left before I want to wrap things up here soon, but what is like a, a great uh, ritual or habit on how to meditate daily, whether it's using your uh, technology or meditating in general, what do you think? Is it like first thing in the morning, in the middle of the day, at night, just once a day? What's like a good habit for most people? Obviously, everyone's unique and different and may need different times and uh, lengths of period. But what's like for the busy entrepreneur, someone who's uh, constantly on the go, who's got a lot of ideas, 
um, and wants to take action, what's a, what's a good ritual they could take on with this? Well, that, that's one of the great things about Holosync, by the way. Before I answer that specific question, one of the things we found, I was, you know, I was a traditionalist. I was into sitting cross-legged, right. meditating in a traditional way, sitting up without a back support and all that kind of stuff. And we told people to do it that way for a long time. And it, that may still be the most effective way to do it. But what we discovered, you know, because the people that are uh, doing this are all over the world. Uh, they're not sitting here in front of me or anything. We had, do have a lot of communication, but uh, we found that a lot of people were lying down in bed yep. listening to this. And we found that the people that woke up an hour early didn't get out of bed. They just put the headphones on, pushed the play button, just lean back, close their eyes again, listen for an hour. Even if they nodded out, they, at the end of that hour, they were more alert and more awake and ready to get up and feeling energized than if they'd slept that hour and they got all the same benefits that everybody else get would get doing it the other way. And they had essentially done this daily meditation without taking a single moment out of their day. Now, as to your specific, which I think is pretty amazing, uh, takes away one big excuse that people have. I don't have time. Right, right. Just do it and go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> When people say, I don't have time to meditate or I don't have time to exercise or whatever, it usually means I don't think the benefits of it are uh, valuable. Not that I'm making it a priority. Right. Uh, so one of the things you have to do if you're going to have some sort of a meditation uh, practice, all this, this applies to anything, so those other things that are hard to do, like exercising, for instance, is that you need to focus more on the the long-term benefits than the short-term thing like oh i'm too tired you have to think you know if i do this every day i am going to eventually develop some an amazing equanimity happiness inner peace all these things and i want that so i'm going to do this even though i i you know there's a part of me that doesn't feel like it i think some people like to do to listen to whole sync in the morning some people like to do it like right when they get home from work because it really rejuvenates you when you're wiped out at the end of the day. Some people like to do it before bed. I found that when I did it before bed, it was sort of like taking a nap. You know, if you've ever taken a nap at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night and then you can't go to sleep. It's hard to sleep, yeah. You're sort of rested now. and <laughs> Now you're up till 4 a.m. But I've had other people say they when they did it right before bed, it helped them sleep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, one of the things this does, by the way, is it kind of obliterates people's sleep problems. Mm. People that have sleep problems stop having sleep problems after a while of doing this. So I do think it's a good idea to have a routine to do it the same time as much as you can every day. And to I tell people to make this like brushing your teeth. Mm, I like it. Brush your teeth as a matter of course at a certain time of day. And you don't really think about it. You don't evaluate whether you ought to do it today or not. Uh, you don't blow it off because of something else. You don't say, oh, I don't have much time. I'm not going to brush my teeth today. You just do it and uh, make it a part of your routine. Once something like this becomes a habit, mm. it really doesn't take that long. Uh, you just uh, you just keep doing it and you don't think anything about it. And it and the whole, do I want to do it? Oh, God. And this whole decision process is this thing of the past. And you just, you're doing something that is 
benefiting you tremendously and it's effortless. I like it. Very cool. I want to ask you two final questions. Uh, The first one is, what are you most grateful for recently in your life? What am I most grateful for? You know, I think the thing I'm most grateful for are all the people over the last 25 years that have had enough faith in me and in Holosync to take the risk to do this and to stick with it. And then, I, I mean... When I was kind of an asshole when I was younger, uh, I got so much negative reinforcement from other people. And when I started doing this, after a few years, I began getting tremendous positive reinforcement. And to tell you the truth, I I would cry. I used to run these retreats, and people at the end would would be thanking me for it, you know, in a in a group setting. And I, it was so different than my self image that I I. I it just choked me up. Now I'm a little more used to it, but but uh, every time I think about, I'm, I'm 65 years old. I, I I'm rich. I don't have to do this anymore. But I keep getting all this feedback from these people. I get letters every day from people that just blow my mind. Mm. At this person who used to be such a self-absorbed asshole is now ha- having this effect on other people's lives mm. and say. I, I don't want to stop doing this. I can't stop doing this. And I just, my whole life was transformed by Holosync and by the people who use it. Uh, and so I, I just, I feel really, really grateful for that. I mean, mm. here talking to you and getting to talk to a large group of people because of you and I'm getting to know you. And I could tell you hundreds of people that people listening would know about that I've got to be friends with because of this. And so I'm just... It's it's all goes back to the people who've used this. Is mm. that is really very cool. Very I'm cool. Grateful to get out of bed and be alive. <laughs> I like that one too. Me too. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I got one final question, but I want to make sure we're going to give all of uh, you know. If you can have your team send over those links to me, I'll link those up on the show notes. I'll let people know where to go to get your website uh, to learn more about your products, Holosync. Everything that we talked about today, I'll have it linked up in the show notes, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, so I want to thank you for for coming on. And my final question, Bill, is what I ask all of my my guests at the end of every interview, and it's what is your definition of greatness? I would say greatness is being more aware, and then because you're more aware, you you figure out how you can make a difference in the world. Mm. That's what happens to people. Ultimately, they become so aware, they, they reach Maslow's self-actualization stage, and there's nothing to do then but make a difference in the world, to alleviate the suffering of other people, to try to uh, make the world a better place. And once you get to that place and you're not thinking about yourself, everything you need comes to you anyway, but, uh, but there's nothing more satisfying than that. So I think that's ultimately greatness. So very cool. And my last message to the people who are listening is please please go try this this demo of Holosync. Find out a little more about it. I know that my my explanation of it is on a little on the scientific side. <laughs> the people that people that use this become happier, more peaceful, more loving, more compassionate, more effective in what they're doing in the world. And uh, I mean I could have 
talked about this from a much more emotional, motivational perspective. But I, you know, I find that people really like understanding uh, kind of the scientific background of why this sort of thing works and why even meditation works. So anyway, please do go go check this out. It's very cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have it linked up and uh, make sure everyone checks it out. I, I appreciate you coming on so much, Bill, and thanks so, for all that you're doing in the world to create more awareness for us. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. My pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you again, guys, so much for being on here today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you did like it, go ahead back over to lewishouse.com slash 106. Leave a comment over on the blog and what you thought about this episode. And also share it with your friends. Share it with someone who you think could use this information, could use meditation in their lives, and could have uh, who would want to have access to this type of research, this type of knowledge, and also have them check out the show notes. We've got something linked up there on how you can go get a free sample download of this so you can try it out and see if it works for you. Again, for me, I love guided meditations. I love listening to meditations because it helps me stay more connected. So if someone's wanting to start this out, definitely check it out over at the blog, lewishouse.com slash 106. Super pumped for all the guests we've got coming up. We've got a couple of huge names coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you are definitely going to want to make sure you are subscribed to this and get access to it instantly because I'm going to ask, uh, I've got three people that I've always wanted to have on this show and one of them we're going to be having on in the next week. So get ready for that. It's going to be a big one. Super excited. And you guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Great.